0: Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, imagining, tapping into our sense of the importance of connections, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more. Because we made the connection. And thank you for joining me on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. To this day, I Have a Dream speech fills our hearts with aspirations and guides us to continue to build a more just and equitable world. When I was a little girl living in D.C., what I remember most about the March on Washington in August of 1963 were all the churches that made sandwiches and meals for the marchers. I remember being with my mom and helping her make those sandwiches in our Presbyterian church kitchen and her telling me that 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 was an important way for us to serve the community and it was a privilege. I think it's then I began to think about breaking bread together as being part of creating community. In his last book he wrote in 1967, Martin Luther King Jr. posed an important question I believe that is even more vital today. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? COVID has torn at the fabric of our community. We miss gathering. And one of our most beloved gathering places has been our restaurants, where we mark things that are so important to us, engagements, anniversaries, birthdays, reunions, first dates, Each table is a story that marks an occasion in a magical ambiance brought to us by the people who dream. Immigrants who come to the country and begin by opening a restaurant and sharing their culture with us. It's brought to us by chefs who have a dream about bringing something special to our community. They're brought to us by all those wonderful people who have the hospitality gene and contribute to building and sharing our community. Working in restaurants is both a service and part of a larger dream. COVID has kept us from going as frequently to the restaurants we love. Perhaps in the pre-COVID world, we all took it for granted, the privilege to gather in our beloved community. It has felt a bit chaotic and isolating during COVID. But as we get through this difficult time, we can choose community over chaos and restaurants may offer the thread to pull our community fabric together. We can relook, re-embrace, reimagine our restaurant experience as the place of dreams. And in so doing, find the dreams that Martin Luther King Jr. encouraged us to find together. So our topic today and the ideas we're exploring revolve around how restaurants embrace the place of dreams and hopes for our future. And joining me from Washington, D.C. is Patricia Gill. She is the Director of Workforce Engagement at the National Restaurant Association Education Foundation. Welcome, Patricia, and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Lori, and thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. You have such a passion for the work that you do. Uh, You've worked in restaurants, as most of us have. And now you're supporting innovative programs for those entering and re-entering the workforce.
1: I am, and it's really exciting. As you said, um, I've worked in restaurants myself um, in college, like so many people did, and even um, in law school. And I've also worked in hotels, and I just always loved it and they're just such a part of our community and our lives. I mean, everyone has a favorite restaurant, a favorite thing to order, a favorite memory of being someplace with their friends or family. Um and I think we often think of restaurants that way. But everybody who's there is is working. It's a the job. They're gaining skills and they're they're moving up in their career. So while uh, restaurants are a place of of happiness and memories and gathering, they're also a place of skills and and competency and people moving along a career pathway. And I'm a huge believer in in work um, as empowerment. You know, you mentioned earlier about the ideas of equity and opportunity and work is for so many people, a place where they can feel powerful and they can show their skills and they can move up and they can support their families. So when you bring together my probably two favorite things, which is restaurants and hospitality with workforce and opportunity, it's, it's it's perfect. And so I feel so lucky to have a job as Director of Workforce Development for the uh, National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation where those two things are coming together.
0: What I also really enjoy is learning about individuals' connections that brought them to where they are today. And I just love that teaching at a nursery school or nursery schools led you to going to Georgetown Law School and eventually to the work that you're doing now with uh, workforce engagement. So tell me, tell us a little bit about that journey, which I think is just wonderful.
1: Sure. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's quite a journey. Yeah. Um, starting way back in high school, I always thought, oh, I want to work with little kids. And um, so when I was in high school, I had a job working at a nursery school. And that nursery school happened to be Um, in a community with a lot of barriers and these kids were four and five years old and they were talking about different family members they visited in jail and at four and five they knew all about the procedures to visit jail and they were talking about all those sort of things and um, you know I had never been to visit a jail and I was like wow they you know have so much knowledge but in, in kind of a not the best area of knowledge maybe or a rough area and then when I was in college and graduated from college, I went to teach nursery school, and this time I happened to be in an area that had a lot more opportunities, and those kids same age were learning how to work computers and learning dance and swimming, and, um, you know, their parents were maybe doctors or lawyers, and they were talking about um, being a doctor or a lawyer or even things about how to operate um, a washing machine in their home, because they all had washers and dryers in their home, and it, it really just me and kind of hurt my heart that at three and four years old, these children were already having such different experiences and different opportunities and different kinds of knowledge. And I just thought, well, this, this is so unfair. And so I am going to go to law school so I can do some kind of educational law or family law or something that's really going to be sure that all kids at three and four have these same kinds of opportunities and access. Um, and so then I, I was lucky enough to uh, go to Georgetown University Law Center, um, which was a lot. <laughs> I think <laughs> I shared with you earlier yeah. that I pretty much read all day and all night and all weekend. And, you know, law school is, is a lot. But, um, I just really was interested in figuring out how do we change the laws or change the opportunities or change the access. And then when I was in law school, I ended up teaching at a high school, they had a program called Street Law where we were teaching high school students about their rights and um, about the law as far as everything from search and seizure to stop and frisk and all this, and I fell in love with really working with young adults. Like, this is where you're making so many decisions in your life about if you're going to go to college, if you're going to get married, if you're going to get a job, and um, I so I kind of changed from nursery school to a real interest in young adults and um, started doing stuff around youth development. After law school, I worked at the um, at the Duke Ellington School of the Arts where uh, there was all these wonderful young people with all this amazing talent, and they were trying to figure out uh, where they wanted to go in their lives, and I um, was the assistant director of a mentoring program there, and it, it started to occur to me there that really where you... You know, deciding who you are and what you can do and what your skills are is such an important part of your identity. And um, that feeling of mastery and future, like I'm good at something and there's something that I can do, is such an important part of your, your being and who you are. And whether that is being an artist, a singer, or whether that's being a scientist or being a chef, which is another kind of an artist, really, it's knowing that this is something that I can do that I can contribute to my community, that I can help support my family. And I really saw with adolescents and people going into adulthood that that was such an important part of their identity. Um, I ended up, after uh, New Wellington, going to Chicago and working in a, um, a community, an empowerment zone grant. It was a federal grant where they put a lot of resources into a community that was struggling. And part of that was... Uh, a job training program, and again, I saw that for young people as they were graduating high school, getting to like have responsibility and have a job. Whether and we had a, a wide variety. We had kids that worked in food service, that worked in different parts of a um, grocery store. We had kids that worked in a hospital, at a bank, um, being group leaders at a park. And in every case, they just that the way they walked taller, and they were so proud because they had that clipboard because they were reading the group activity, or they knew how to operate the, um, the cutting machine at the deli, at the grocery store, or they knew at the hospital they had their walkie-talkie, and they were one of the orderlies that took the, um, that took the patients to their different parts of the hospital. They just were so proud, and it was so great to see each of them figure out what was their best thing. And actually, there was one young man, big guy, kind of tough-looking, and um, he got placed in a job at the cafeteria of the hospital. And I thought he was going to be really disappointed, like, oh, you know, he's just going to be serving food or whatever. But he was like, oh, no, Miss Patricia, when you visit, make sure you visit on Thursday, because that's when I make my lasagna. And I make a great lasagna. And just to see the pride of this big, tough guy that's you know, been a football player or whatever, and he was so proud of his lasagna and wanted me to be sure to visit on that day, which I did. And it was very so good. Um, it, was, it, it was just, again, to just see that, that pride. Um, so that really got me, kind of honed in on adolescence and workforce development. And since that time, I've I've done a lot of work with helping other people work with young people as they figure out their 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 goals. And then as I got further into workforce development, thinking about different populations who, for various reasons, were struggling to get work, including those who were justice involved, those with disabilities, and in every case. It was that job, that vision of themselves doing something um, useful that was sort of the beacon to keep them getting through whatever else they had to figure out, you know, transportation, all the other things they had to figure out. It was getting to that job that kind of kept them going. Um, And then finally, I was sort of lucky enough to have it all come together that there was this job. Um, at the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation doing workforce development. And it was kind of a uh, coming together for me because in law school, I actually worked at a hotel. I worked at the Ritz-Carlton, and I loved it. And they offered me a management job, and I wanted to do it because I loved it so well, and I loved hotels, and I loved hospitality, but I said, I still need to be doing good and helping people. Uh So the fact that now I can be here in hospitality, which I love, but also workforce development. We're, we're helping other people, you know, find opportunities and, and reach their dreams. It, it's, it's just magical, and I feel so lucky, and every day that we see another person, you know, get a job and, and, and move along the career pathway, it, it's it's, it's a great day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, It's such a wonderful uh, trajectory of, of both hope and commitment, and we're... Uh, We're going to need to take a break, uh, although I wish we could, we did have to, but we do have to take a break to uh, support our wonderful program here. And But before we go, if you're wanting to learn more about the work that's being done um, on a website, you want to check that out, you can go to chooserestaurants.org, and then uh, there's a drop-down menu of Discover Opportunities. And in our next segment, we'll focus um, on how restaurants are the builders of dreams, a community resource, um, ways that restaurant industry is a suitable place for first jobs And a model for employment, development, and advancement. So stay with us, and we'll be right back just after a few short announcements. Good morning. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. We're so glad you've joined the conversation today. Our topic and the ideas we're exploring revolves around restaurants and embracing them as the place of dreams and hopes for our future. Joining me from Washington, D.C. is Patricia Gill. She is the Director of Workforce Engagement at the National Restaurant Association Education Foundation. Welcome, Patricia, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And the work that you're doing with workforce engagement so helped having your background be shared to put things in perspective of why this is so important to you personally as well. And as we go into the second segment, I'd love to have you share about the work that you're doing in collaboration and um, what what you're doing to support um, all of that good stuff and, and start us off with the goals. And I know the first goal is to establish the restaurant industry as a suitable place for first jobs and as a model of employment, development, and advancement. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Sure, I think as, as we talked about in, in the first segment, people think of restaurants as, a, as kind of a center of their community, a place they've gone for family celebrations, or, or maybe even sadder times as well, but it's a place that you go, you get good food, you gather, um, but it is also a place of employment. It's the place where people are working, um, and I think many of us worked our first job at a restaurant, maybe as a server or a busboy, dishwasher, but it is also a place of career development and skill. Yes, you may start off as a server or a dishwasher, but there are opportunities to move up into management, supervision, there are credentials you can get, and there's also skills that you've developed that if you decide, hey, restaurants and hospitality are not for me, there are transfer skills that you develop, like customer service and teamwork, that are going to be great for any job. So yes, we still definitely want to gather at restaurants and eat great food, but it also is the opportunity to get employment, get skills, and um, advance your life and and that of your family.
0: What a lot of people don't know is that every state, uh, and even more than every state, has a state restaurant association. And that the National Restaurant Association, as well as the National Restaurant Association Education Foundation, does partnership programs with state restaurant associations. And you also work with community-based organizations, um, and you really foster that whole collaboration of how do we all work together uh, to support something. And tell me a little bit about uh, that effort of your collaborative work.
1: Certainly. So, uh, what we do in several of our programs, some of our several of our workforce development programs, is that we do work with the state restaurant associations. And I have to say, before I worked for the National Restaurant Association, I did not know about state restaurant associations. But yes, in every state, there is an organization that is working to support your community restaurants and your um, even your state and national restaurants. But yeah, in every state, there's a state restaurant association, and they're helping to um, engage people and advance people in restaurants and hospitality, and also in every community there are organizations, we know them very well, whether they're a Boys and Girls Club or a Safe-Based Organization that's working on the ground in that community to help people and to help families advance, and what we do is sort of help to bring together a collaboration of those existing groups if there's community groups that are trying to help people build their dreams and advance and move their families along, and then we have these state restaurant associations that are looking for untapped talent and to help people connect and engage to restaurants and hotels, bringing those two existing existing bodies that are in every community together can really help to make a nice, smooth pathway for people that are looking for work or looking for opportunities into an industry that is incredibly welcoming and that's the one thing I remember from working at restaurants even in high school and college was that everybody there was a team and you all kind of supported each other and helped each other out and for a lot of people who maybe didn't have um, large families or supportive families or live with a family coming to the restaurant or, or coming to a hotel that is kind of your family so connecting People who are looking for opportunities and organizations that want to give people opportunities with your state restaurant association and your restaurants and and hotels and other food service organizations that are looking for great people that want to be part of the team. It's just this natural flow, and it's really nice to to bring this collaboration together and create that smooth pathway in every community.
0: What I love is the idea of the intentional Career pathway. I remember when I was first starting, and even going to college, I, I did a lot of uh, working at restaurants and whatnot. And but I didn't know what my my career was going to be, even in college. You know, what what does that mean? And what does an intentional pathway look like? Um, and I love the fact that your program starts to have those kind of conversations with people that are eager, and and your passion of working with young people ties it all together. So. Tell me a little bit about that, the providing the intentional career pathway in supporting people.
1: Oh, sure. I'm glad you asked about that. So as you mentioned you yourself worked in a restaurant um, as a young person or um, so many people work in restaurants or hotels or food service at some point in their lives. And I like to say whether, whether you come into restaurants and hospitality by choice Or by chance, we want to really welcome you and help you to develop the skills and get the certifications you need to intentionally move up. And what's so great in um, restaurants and hospitality is there's what we call stackable credentials. So you can start off just um, getting Restaurant Ready, which is our competency-based program that identifies what it takes to have you be in a making air quotes, you can't see them, restaurant ready. You know, what competencies do you need to just start out? What academic competencies do you need? Uh, what personal skills do you need just to start out in in the restaurant industry? And then we start to develop more professional skills, whether it's um, learning more about food service or food safety, getting the bird safe or food handler. And then we have pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship opportunities. A lot of people don't realize that. I think you think of apprenticeship with, maybe construction or um, being an electrician or or one of those sort of trades. But there actually is, we have a registered apprenticeship with uh, the U.S. Department of Labor. There's an apprenticeship. There's actually three in hospitality. There's restaurant manager, there's line cook, and we have a brand new one, uh, kitchen manager. So people can actually, in an intentional and organized way, get both the hands-on experience the, what we call on-the-job training, as well as the various uh, credentials and courses they need to move up. And that's really nice. I think you, you might fall into restaurants and you might happen to get lucky and bump into someone and learn this or learn that or move up. But when you have something like apprenticeship, you can intentionally move up and get exactly the training and experience that you need to move up. And within apprenticeship, um you're going to be there anyway It's the same time, but you're actually guaranteed at least one raise during that time. So for people who are thinking about how am I going to support myself and move up and, um, you know, take care of my family and my own responsibilities, it's nice to have something intentional like that that really lays out um, how do you move up. Well, it really struck me. One of our participants, when we went on like a uh, something called an industry skills tour, we toured um, one of our uh, partner restaurants. He actually asked, you know, how do you move up here? Is it is it political or what's it based on? So to really have this intentional pathway that people can see very clearly, here's how I can move up and here's what I can do next. I think it's really important.
0: And you also create those national standards. So it's not, yeah. when you say political, it might be, you know, one way to move up in one organization, maybe another in another. But by having the national standards and that assessment that... Um, folks can work towards. It, it creates a more level playing field, doesn't it? It gives you opportunities to, to get the skill set that no matter where you go, these are going to be recognized as important.
1: Exactly. That's what I really like. I mentioned our, our restaurant ready program, and that really identifies the six competency areas that you need to enter the restaurant and hospitality industry day one. And this was developed in conjunction with employers asking them, you know, what is it that you're looking for? And they said, we can teach, you know, night skills. We can teach our particular form of service. We can teach how to upsell our menu items. But there are things that when someone walks in day one, we hope that they will know and understand and be able to do. And so we were able to um, gel down what we heard from all the employers. And with that...
0: And with that, I'll do a, good, yeah. a radio cliffhanger for us <laughs> and, and and have you save those opportunities for our next segment. Um, but, I, and folks, if you want to get a jump start on that, you can go to chooserestaurants.org. And there is a, a section called Discover Opportunities that you can drill down into. But stay with us because our friend uh, Patricia is going to share with us about competencies that have been created and things that you may want to be sharing with friends and relatives about, you know, there's career opportunities through the restaurant industry. And let's think about that in terms of how do we rebuild the future of what we want for our beloved community? Hey, I'm back with you,
1: KTNF St. Louis Park, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Welcome
0: back. To Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. So glad you joined us today. We're talking about Restaurants and how they are places of dreams, both for folks who want to go to a restaurant as well as career opportunities for those who want to work in restaurants. And I have a terrific person sharing about uh, workforce engagement. She is the um, director of workforce engagement for the National Restaurant Education Foundation, Patricia Gill. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We've been talking about uh, your career path as well as the career path that you're supporting for others through partnering in communities. And in our last section, you really gave us more insight about what the program goals are in relooking at how restaurants uh, can be a place to get important skills that not only can help you in your restaurant career, but help you in other careers as well. You have some competencies that that I I left as a cliffhanger for our audience. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'd love to have you just go through the various competencies that that you work um, to help support individuals really get a leg up for their intentional career planning.
1: Sure. So, as I said before the break, we really worked with employers to identify what is it that they are hoping when people come through the door day one that they will know or understand and be able to do? And what I like is, is, you know, we were able to gel it down to six areas, and a lot of these areas are transferable skills. So that means if you learned it in a restaurant or hotel or other food service um, setting, you could take this to any job that you go to. So many people, as we talked about, start out in restaurants and then go into all kinds of other careers, but you'll hear them say, what I learned while I was working at that restaurant or hotel, um, I've taken with me wherever. So these are things like the first area is personal responsibility, right? Just showing up, being prepared to work, being dressed, knowing the rules, being part of the team. They like to know that, hey, if Lori's on the schedule, she's going to be there that day and she's going to be ready to go. And when you're part of a restaurant and a team, you need to be able to rely on other people that show up and be ready to work. So that personal responsibility is really important. Also communication, um, that's with your coworkers. that's with your managers and supervisors, and that's with your customers, being able um, to talk to people and to listen to people and to be aware of both your verbal and nonverbal communication. You'll hear so many times people say, well, I didn't say anything, but they were sitting there with that kind of like sink face or crossed arms (laughs) because people thought they didn't want to be there. So really understanding all of the communication and knowing it's not just important to show a great face to your customers, but also to your your coworkers because that's who you interact with every day. Um, And the third area is attitude, or I like to say positive attitude. And that is really coming in, ready to go every day. Let's do this thing. And uh, something we talk about a lot, and I love this term, is situational agility. Being able to kind of have a good attitude every day. Some days will be busy. Some days are less busy. uh, You know, some days things go well. Some days things don't go as well. Being able to just come in every day ready to do it. And also uh, able, and this is a tough one for all of us, to take feedback when you're doing have a great day, and maybe when you don't have as great a great day, and, and get ways to improve. So, that attitude is really important.
0: It's like read, reading the room and reading the table that you're serving. It, it, it's being able to have that situational awareness absolutely can help you in any career you, yeah. you go to.
1: Exactly. And just being able to handle, like, you know, the ups and downs of any job. Any mm-hmm. job you're in, there's going to be days when it's like, woo, everything's going great. And there's going to be days where you don't get that sale or right. whatever. And you're just being able to work through that as well. Um, and then another big one we heard from employers is having learning. It says learning, I think of like learning mentality that you're ready to learn new jobs and new assignments and gain skills. And, and that's really the way that you can move up. And employers want someone who's ready to come in and learn how to work the register, learn how to work the grip, learn how to, if you're in a restaurant, learn how to do the front desk, learn how to do, you know, behind the desk, whatever needs to be done. And and if you want to move up and increase your job, you've got to learn new skills. So people that are coming in and excited to learn new things and um, also get the credentials that show that you have learned that thing, whether it's your serve safe or your customer service goal, whatever it is that shows that you have learned a new thing, And one that's probably not a big surprise, customer service, empathy, really being able to understand um, and and, and sort of anticipate what people are going to need. Oh, you know, if you see a large family, they're probably going to want a large table, and they might also need a booster seat. Mm -hmm. Um, Another piece of customer service that people don't think about, though, is also internal customer service, helping out your coworkers, um, helping out the manager, helping out the kitchen, being able to recognize how you build those relationships. And this one I like to think about is, You know, people don't think about internal customer service, but if you're at a restaurant and you don't have that, you end up by yourself at a table singing happy birthday because none of your coworkers come over to help you sing happy birthday. (laughs) And um, maybe for a few people, that's a great experience. But for most of us, singing happy birthday all by ourselves is a little bit nerve-wracking. It's a hard tune to carry. Um, And so you want people to help you carry that tune and and carry the workload. Um, And then the last area is the only one that is, Um, more specific to restaurants and um, hotels. And that's called industry-specific skills. And that really is knowing what the different front and back of the house positions are and knowing what they do, understanding about food safety and, and cleanliness. And, of course, during this time of COVID, that is especially important. And then the last is what we call point of sale, and that's really interacting with customers and knowing how to take orders and how to upsell and how to understand what people are are asking for, and maybe if they're not sure, give them some ideas, and that's uh, really important as well. And so those six areas, um, employers really feel like if someone arrives with that, we can do the last bit of our specific, our restaurant or, or, or hotel-specific procedure, But we want people coming day one, ready to work, ready to talk to people, great attitude, ready to learn stuff, ready to help our customers, internal and external, and then knowing the basics about what everybody does at the restaurant. Um, and one of and the this works for all different populations. Absolutely. So we have, you know, we talked about with Restaurant Ready. It was originally developed actually uh, for younger people, you know, age like sixteen to twenty-four. What we'd say work entry, just work entering the workplace. But once this was developed, people were like, well, we want to use this with all of our employees of every age because everybody needs it, and it's particularly helpful. For populations who are maybe re-entering the workplace, like our justice-involved population, are people coming back to the workplace. They could be coming out of the military. They could be um, maybe someone who was at home as a mom and now coming in. But everybody can use these basic skills.
0: You read my mind. It's exactly where I wanted to go next with your HOPES program, (laughs) the hospitality opportunities for people re-entering society. I just love this program.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I I kind of like it pretty well myself. <laughs> so, very excited. So, so, as you mentioned, hope, hospitality, yeah. opportunities for people reentering society. That is a program that is funded by the U.S. Department of Labor, and it is a program. It's a reentry program, and it's to help people uh, who have been justice involved reconnect to their community and reconnect to work and skills. Um, and have the support that they need to be successful in employment. And it's nice because we talked earlier about that community collaboration model. It's really connecting programs that are already existing in uh, state facilities and in jails. We uh, discover, we didn't discover, but um, I found out that almost every um, or many, many state facilities and jails have career check programs and a lot of them include culinary programs. But even more, every place has dining services, and often people's first job in a facility is working in dining services. So that means we have all kinds of talented people who have dining service and culinary skills, um, and they are re-entering and looking for work. We've also got, as we mentioned, those community-based organizations who are focused on re-entering and helping people get the support um, that they need, whether it's transportation or a place to live or or clothing. And then we've got our state restaurant associations so who are looking for new talent, new people to um, help engage and um, empower and advance in restaurants and hospitality. So when you bring those three things together, really, it turns into, as we mentioned earlier, this beautiful sort of intentional pathway where someone is gaining skills and experience while they're in a facility, and then they're connected to a community-based organization that can identify everything that they need to be successful in the workplace, whether that's skills, whether that's transportation, clothing, um, equipment like their apron or whatever. And then we've got the State Restaurant Association that connects to industry and employers and says, hey, this is what they're looking for and here's what we need in the field. And so someone can just smoothly transition and um, start in a restaurant and then have that support. Once they're in the job, to keep the job, to be sure they can get there, and that they have everything they need to be successful.
0: And it ties back to what you and said it, earlier about right about this. I was just going to say that what ties it back for me is that the sense of dignity of having a job that you can be proud of, and that that you've accomplished, and that you've been given uh, the opportunity to to have this job and to be supported in this job. Yeah,
1: what that's exactly where I was going to go. Um, one of the, the case managers put it as, you know, we are restoring the dignity to people that may have been stripped away from them through their what occurred in their community or what occurred in other situations and um, and giving them the opportunities that maybe they, they never had. I mean, people talk about a second chance for a lot of people. This is a first chance. And a lot of times I think we think about people who are just as involved as others. But the truth is, you know, one third of our population has been justice involved in one way or another. And pretty much every one of us, if it's not ourselves, we have someone in our family who made a mistake, was made a bad choice, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But now they've got these skills, they've paid off whatever debt to society they needed to pay, and they're ready. They're ready to work. Um, and all kinds of studies show there's no detriment to working. It doesn't make people worse off, but instead, in most cases, um, it makes people better off not only in having a job, but it lowers recidivism, um, so it's, it's a wonderful way to get people dignity to get people opportunity and to help people move forward and move their families forward and move their communities forward, and what we heard from restaurants is most of the time when they've had problems with employees, it wasn't these employees. You know, when people that maybe got hired just walked in the door and got hired, so most of their problems have not been with the justice-involved population or or people that they've given this opportunity. Um, Often, people who are justice-involved will stay longer because they appreciate the opportunity and they understand, you know, what a great opportunity it is to have a job. Um, I know one of our participants... And and with that...
0: I wish we could, I, I, okay. I, I have to get in a f- one more set of commercials. <laughs> and then our last segment, we'll, we'll share a little bit about what we can think about the audience doing as well as sharing the rest of your story. Um, I, I'm going to cl- create another cliffhanger, uh, but we'll be right back. Just uh, stay with us as we learn more about how restaurants can be a place of dreams, not only for us going to that restaurant, but creating careers and opportunities in our community. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And we've been talking about how restaurants can be reimagined for places to look at to for careers and support. Uh, so often I think people think of terms of restaurants as just being perhaps a transitional job, but there are career opportunities. And in our last segment, we were talking about their HOPES program, which, uh, and let me say that we are talking with the man, the director of the workforce engagement from the National Restaurant Education Foundation. Welcome, Patricia Gill. We're so glad you've been here to share your insights and your dreams and visions. And I've, I was so excited about the HOPES program. I jumped right in for our last segment. The <laughs> HOPES program is hospitality opportunities for people re-entering society. And it's really second chance hiring, right? And how you're working with departments of correct community-based organizations, and State Restaurant Association, to help with re- helping people reenter society.
1: Exactly. And I like to say that it's second chance hiring for, you know, first-rate talent. It's just amazing to me um, that this is a group of people who have so much talent and so many dreams and so much interest and they just haven't had that opportunity. Right. And I think it's all about opportunities. And I was starting to tell a story about one of our participants. We have a lot of participants with who have had great outcomes, but one um, who was hired and it turned out this was his first job he'd ever had. He'd always wanted to have a job, never knew how to get one. This was his first job he's ever had. Um, he was hired by one of our restaurant partners, um, Mod Pizza, actually. And he... And, and his name is Ernest, you let me to always say his name. He was hired and, like, within a month, moved up once um, and has now had a second promotion and is looking at a third, working very hard to get one. And to think that this is a person who just was never even hired before, it's just, it's, it's just hard to believe. And that's just one example, but we have many, many participants and, and actually many People across the country, not just in our program, um, who have great skills and talents, and you know, they call it untapped talent.
0: I guess it's really who an opportunity to go work, and so it's an yeah. opportunity for really driving the economy as well, and it's investing in the community and investing in dreams, investing in dignity, investing in opportunity for the future.
1: All of those things. That's exactly right, and. Um, You know, I think before the break, I was saying I said a third. It's it's over 25% of of our population has had some kind of interactive with the justice system, you know, minor or major. So it's not these people way over there, but people that we know, or maybe even our family members who, you know, made a mistake or were in the wrong place, whatever, made a bad choice. They've been involved, Um, but they have skills and talents and they shouldn't be defined by this one moment in their life but instead by all they can do and what's great about restaurants is it doesn't matter what you've done before it matters about what you show up and what you do that day and what you bring and so many restaurants and hospitality places are looking for great employees and great talent and so it's sort of a great combination of people with talent who need work and great workplaces that need people with talent so it's it, it just comes together so well. And so as we start to think about what, what your listeners can do, it's first of all, when you go to your, your local restaurant, and we hope you still do because everyone loves to gather and everyone um, loves good food and they certainly um, need you to come in right now. As you said COVID's been particularly hard in the industry. Yeah, go gather and be with your friends, but also look around and notice the opportunities that are there and the skills and the people working there and start to think of your local restaurant as not only a place of gathering and good food, but also a place of opportunity and skills and careers and career pathways. Um, And then I think the next thing is about the justice-involved population, really recognizing that those are our people, those are our friends, those are our relatives, those are our family members, and, and with people with
0: talent. And with that, I'm gonna encourage them also to go to chooserestaurants.org dot org. Bring down the Discover Opportunities and read some more. I wish I'm going to have to have you come back. That's the only thing. You're going to have to come back for another hour to share more because you've got such great insights. But we have to go. So I'm so sorry. I wish we had. We'll just book you real soon and stay with us and learn more about how restaurants are places of dreams.